everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thank you guys for joining me. Today, I'm going to talk some more about the importance of proper Bible study methods and why it's so important that we understand what the author is talking about, where this, the events were taking place, so that we can grab a hold of the context that was originally intended for the reader to understand. And so today we're going to dig into this topic a little bit more. Grab your Bible and stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys. Well, you know, because I keep telling you that we are working our way through a study on motherhood at Mom Strong International. We've got a wonderful group of women studying that with me the other day. I put a picture in case some of you missed it, last week I put a picture of my granddaughter up on my Facebook page, and I'm telling you what I got the picture from my son-in-law, our little our little grand granddaughter Juniper, fresh out of the bath, so cute, little towel up on her head and everything. And I said that I said to everybody, this is I said this is my granddaughter, this is my little baby granddaughter, and she's one of the reasons that I am never going to stop fighting against the erasure of women through the dangerous and disgusting lie of transgenderism. The Bible says that we are created male and female in his image, full stop. And you guys, our little girls and our women are under attack in the culture right now, and they deserve the dignity of safe locker rooms and safe restrooms. They deserve fairness in sports competitions by competing against true biological women, not men who dress as women, because women are precious, made in the image of God. They're the only sex that's capable of carrying a human life and feeding a newborn. A newborn instinctively knows where to nurse after birth. A newborn knows that the source of life that he or she needs at that moment is their mother. And I'm praying every day that good men are gonna rise up and begin again to protect women and children from this dangerous gender ideology that seeks to destroy the differences between the sexes. And I know that there are a lot of women that don't appreciate or honor men, but I'm here to tell you right now that most of us do. I know I do. A good man is a gift to women. Men are protectors and they are providers. And they are called to defend and protect. And you guys, we need you. We need you more than ever. The sexes need each other. We are not the same. Our differences are beautiful and complicated and complementary. And uh, as we study the word today, this, ha- this issue is very heavy on my heart. And I pray that we can find our way out of this dark time in our nation's history and come out with a renewed sense of all that is good and beautiful. Our nation needs to return to God. And we need to return to him as Christians who understand the power of the written word of God and who are committed to studying it. Yesterday, I told you that I'm very concerned. I continue to be very concerned with a lack of spiritual discernment inside of our churches, in many cases, an unwillingness to address the issues that are happening around us that are literally taking us down a very unhealthy pathway because we're unwilling to have the hard conversations in our churches. And the Bible can stand up to scrutiny. God's word was given to us so that we would have a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The Bible is worth studying. It's worth investing in. If you haven't already done it, get yourself a good Bible commentary. Uh, One of my favorite Bible apps is just uh, uh, Bible.com. I actually love it. I'm in that thing almost every morning. This morning, in fact, I was reading, let's see if I can pull it up for you. 
I was reading uh, in my Bible app in Genesis, and of course, I've read you know I've I've read Genesis like many of you uh, over and over and over again. And actually, I'm getting ready to write uh, after we're after we're done with the study on motherhood. We're going to go back to the foundations of theology, right? The foundations of the world, and we're going to study foundations Genesis one to eleven. I've asked my friend Ken Ham to come on and do a couple of shows with me, particularly at my women's Bible study ministry. So I'm very excited about that opportunity. But I read something today. I'm going to pull it up. Sorry, it's taking me a minute. And I saw I saw this beautiful scripture in sort of a new light. And that's one of the things I absolutely love about God's word. You could read it. You know, I can read Genesis 1 one day and come back, you know, a year later or two years later, read the same passage. And the Holy Spirit will show me something new. And that's exactly what happened when I was reading through it today. And I was so encouraged by what I read that I wanted to read it to you because I, it's, it's, we, we cannot uh, misunderstand God's heart in creating us male and female. But I thought this was interesting in Genesis chapter two, you know, the, the Bible is recounting the story of the day that God made the earth, that, God, that he made the heavens and the earth. Verse seven says, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. I thought it was so interesting that uh, that God put in the Bible that he had given us trees in the garden that were pleasant to the sight. They were pleasant to look at. And we know because God's word tells us that we have been made in the image of God. And God wants us to know him, to know his word. He wants us to experience beauty. We see this right in the very beginning of Genesis chapter two, where he says, I put trees in the garden. Not only were they good for food, but they're beautiful to look at. It goes back to what my friend Sherry Seligson said on the show with me several weeks ago, that we are different from the animals. When was the last time you saw your dog out on your evening walk stop to enjoy and appreciate a beautiful sunset? Animals don't appreciate beautiful sunsets because they don't appreciate beauty. The world was created by God and he gave us the parameters in which to live. He's telling us in his word what will bring us blessing and what will bring disaster. And as we study the word, we want to be able to read it in such a way that we can understand it and take away the message that God wants us to have. We need, in order to do that, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So yesterday we ended talking about the importance of context and why it is so important that we remember that God's truth is not subjective. It's not about me or about you. It's about God. And I think oftentimes, and I I said this yesterday, but for those of you who weren't listening yesterday or weren't here yesterday, I just want to remind you that my point was, and I think this is a huge part of the modern day problems that we're having in our churches, is that we remove the word we and we insert the word me. And this is how we take context. Uh, we forget context. We've made the verses all about ourselves. We read the Bible as if it's a personal letter uh, addressed to us. But the problem is it's not written to me. It's written for me, but it's not written to me. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Take that Andy Stanley and Rob Bell and so many other modern day, uh, I put them in air quotes, you know, Bible teachers 
who are cherry picking what they want the word to say and they're disseminating it to audiences of sheep who don't know how to study the word. The Bible, according to the word of God, literally is God breathed. And we are commanded then to read it and to study it and to understand it. So how do we do that? Well, we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to look with me for just a second at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Because you might be thinking to yourself, well, what's the danger? Who cares if we take a verse out of context? Uh, It's really not that big of a deal, but it is a really big deal. And according to God's word, we need the help of the Holy Spirit in order to understand the Bible. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And so the obvious danger of taking the Bible out of context is that we end up with the wrong message. And for all of the years that uh, my husband and I have been in ministry, I think one of the most misused passages in the scriptures come from Luke chapter 11, verse 9. So I want you guys to listen to this verse and then let's talk about it for a second. Luke 11, verse 9, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you or opened to you. So this verse is often used by televangelists as, you know, the source of sort of name it and claim it Christianity. And they treat this verse as an absolute, right? You want that new Mercedes? Just claim it in the name of God and you'll get it. You want that winning lottery ticket? Just claim it. Just knock and uh, and you'll be richer than your sinful neighbor, right? This kind of thinking, uh, it's conducive to filling up auditoriums. And we see this every single week at some of the big mega churches around the country but it's not scriptural. Luke chapter 11, verse 19 has little to do with guaranteeing our personal fulfillment. So let's take a look for just a second at the the rest of the passage rather than trying to apply this verse all by itself. So to understand Luke 11, verse 9, we have to go back to the beginning of the chapter. So let's do that. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. So the very beginning of the chapter Jesus' disciples are asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. And in response, Jesus teaches them what we know today as the Lord's Prayer. And this serves as an example of how we're supposed to pray. Nowhere in the Lord's Prayer, the example of how to pray given by God himself, do we see Jesus claiming a new donkey or a new cart or piles of gold. It is a humble supplication. It's a humbling before the Lord asking God to help us live the way he wants us to live and to provide for us as we need to be provided in order to do this. So let's look at the passage uh, starting in verse 1 in Luke chapter 11. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, and here's the passage you guys are all familiar with, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then Jesus tells his disciples, right, ask and it will be given to you after giving the example of what to ask for. So then he says, this is verse five, he says to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. 
and he will answer from within and say, don't trouble me. The door is shut and my children are with me in bed. Can I, I cannot rise and give anything to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. Now we get to the crux of the issue, starting in verse nine. There's this little word, so. So Jesus is saying, in light of all of these things that I just taught you, this is what it looks like. So say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. So after giving them the example of what to ask for, things like forgiveness of sin, a coming, the coming of the kingdom of God, basic sustenance, our daily bread, this is all the things that we need to serve the Lord. He says, ask for these things and they'll be given to you. Right. But ask for, you know, I don't know, a Cadillac, a new house, and you're going to get the collective size of a thousand theologians who have known for a long, long time. This isn't correct, but it doesn't get corrected in our churches. Another passage that is often misapplied is Philippians 4.13. Now, what Philippians 4.13 is to competition, Luke 11.9 was to wealth. So people read Philippians 4.13, which is I can do all things through him who gives me strength through Christ who gives me strength. This has become sort of the mantra of people that want to advance their careers, you know, people who would just, you know, want to win. We want to ace that final exam. And so we see again that the human tendency is to take this passage and to make it about me, to force it to be about me. And instead, we need to look at it in context. So this verse is about being content. It's about persevering through times of need rather than simply being uh, granted the strength to do something. So if we look back at a few verses before this verse, we can see that Paul is actually saying, I can be content through Christ who gives me strength. In Philippians 4.12, Paul says, I know what it's like to be in need. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Notice here that Paul doesn't make any boast. He doesn't uh, boast to the church. Instead, he's boasting that God has given him the strength to be content no matter what circumstances he finds himself in. So this is the, the passage where Paul is saying, listen, I've, I've, I've learned to be content. I know what it's like to be without anything. And I know what it's like to have plenty. And I have learned, content to, learned to be content in every situation. Therefore, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. This is the importance of understanding a verse in context. And so if you want to learn how to study the Bible and be effective at it, I want you to do something that we call the the five W's at MomStrong International. This has been a very well uh, received method of Bible study for generations, and we've adopted it over at MSI as well. But the five W's are like this. And if you're taking notes, this is a great thing to take a note on. I will put this image for you up on YouTube also. But we want to know who wrote it, uh, who the main characters were, We want to know what were the main events surrounding the passage. This becomes very, very important, especially when we're talking about divisive issues that tend to uh, confuse the reader, right? We want to know what's happening around this passage. What's the cultural context? What's happening in the lives of the people that this passage is written about? And we want to know where was it written? And then we want to know why was this thing written? What was the pressing moment at the time? What was the author trying to address? And then finally, How can I apply what I'm reading in my life right now? So again, the five W's, right? Who wrote it? When was it written? What were the main events surrounding the passage? Where was it written? 
Why was it written? And finally, how can I apply this to my life right now? And once we do that, we're well on our way to being able to study, to show ourselves this approved workman who doesn't need to be ashamed. So when you open your Bible, there's a couple different ways that we can approach the Word of God. And I'm going to give you several of them. The first Bible study method that we always hear about is a devotional, right? So we just open up that devotional and we read, you know, three minutes or whatever. And and that's a, this is a good thing. So I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. But it's a good thing. It's not Bible study. Bible study is when we actually study God's word. It's not when we we pick up uh, a 365-day devotional. And don't get me wrong. Those are wonderful things. I just finished writing one. But if you want to study the word, it goes back to what I was saying yesterday. You can't be lazy about it. You need to apply yourself like a student who is looking for the truth of something, looking to dig into it. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. That was that passage in 1 Corinthians that we read a few minutes ago. So a couple different Bible study methods. The first one, just cross it right off your list. Devotional uh, Devotionals are not studying, all right? There are three that you can really use that will help you dig into Scripture and understand them better. The first one is inductive Bible study, right? This, is, this takes a while. This means that you observe what's happening in the Scripture. You read it in context, what came before that passage, what's coming after it. And then you interpret what the author is trying to say with the help of the Holy Spirit, and then you apply it to your life. And uh, inductive Bible study is really the standard Bible study method, I think, which yields the best results. The first time that I took an inductive Bible study class, I was a very young person uh, at Multnomah School of the Bible. And I remember just thinking, that's going to take me all semester. And in fact, it did. But the beauty of this lies in its simplicity. We observe, we interpret, and we apply. And the way that it slows us down to read the Bible and understand what the text of the Bible actually says is life-changing. So that's the first way that we can study the Bible. The second way is topical. We see this a lot in churches. Frankly, uh, we do this sometimes at MomStrong International. I'll pick a topic like I've done for the month of uh, February and March, and we are studying motherhood. I think it's a wonderful way to study the Bible. I don't think it's the best way to study the Bible. But when we're talking about what's happening in the culture, oftentimes we need to take the topic that the culture is wrestling with and then set it up here and then filter it through the grid of God's word. What does God have to say about mothers? Mothers need to know right now. So topical uh, studies are excellent. They allow us to sort of traverse different parts of the Bible and the different types of biblical literature. And the goal then, obviously, is to discover what the Bible says about that topic. The last way that I think is another legitimate way to study the Bible is just to go through the Bible book by book. So you'll see many churches do this. Calvary chapels are really famous for this approach to Scripture. And so they want, they're going to study the author of that book. They're going to look at the historical context, the purpose, the main theme, all those things. The goal here is not really take the book apart section by section, but rather the goal is to seek to understand the whole of it. And that's why understanding the author and what God had put on his heart, the, the purpose for that being written, the main themes, the arguments of the, of the book, etc. Also a wonderful way to do that. We just finished a book study at MomStrong International when we studied the book of Hebrews. At the end of the day, you guys, the, it comes down to this. You can't pass on what you don't possess. If you want to see your children walking with the Lord, they need to see you walking with the Lord. If you want to see answers to prayer and victories in your prayer life, be on your knees in prayer and start modeling for your children the thing that you want to see them uh, display in their own lives. There is 
power in understanding and studying the Word of God, but it will require that you get off the bench and onto the battlefield. And I believe, and I've said this many times, and I'm going to continue to encourage you this way, I believe that this is what is needed in this generation of Christians, that we become very lazy in our study of God and our worship of Him. We've turned our worship services into um, opportunities to talk about our emotions and to think about ourselves instead of to focus on God. And we need his help in the culture right now. And as uh, God's word says over and over again, God loves you. He wants to have a personal relationship with you, the God of the universe. This is, we did, you know, years ago, a study on the tabernacle and uh, the extraordinary sacrifice that God made in sending his son and the moments throughout history that God has come down and wanted to have relationship with human beings. It's a remarkable thing to be loved by God. As you study the word, you will see how much God loves you and what incredible love it was that drove God to send his son to the cross. And a lot of these things, you know, God says we can't understand, right? The Bible says that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are God's thoughts higher than our thoughts and his ways higher than our ways. How do we get to know him? Through the pages of his word. I want to encourage you also, uh, in case I didn't say this earlier today, to stress the importance of studying the Bible, but asking the Holy Spirit to help you as you open up the pages of the Bible. So before you open up your Bible, before you engage in Bible study, spend a few minutes in prayer and ask God to help you that's what the Bible says he'll do. If you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, show, say, Father, show me what you want. Holy Spirit, open my eyes to what I need to see. Convict me of sin. Strengthen my heart. Encourage me by the power of your spirit and help me grow in you. And he will do it. He'll do it. All right, you guys, that's all I have time for today. Again, I just want to thank you guys for your prayers. We are in the middle of a massive fundraising campaign at the nonprofit organization at Firmly Planted Family, and we would love it if you guys would consider prayerfully being a part of that. You can find out more information at fpfgrow.com. You guys, we love you so much. Thanks for leaving reviews for the podcast and for supporting this ministry, and I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith, 